0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. And after that, I worked for a civil rights organization, and I was a working guy, and I even had businesses while I was in, in college. But when I finally answered my call to the ministry, I had to begin to believe God for every single meal. And uh, at, at this point in my life, God had called me. I know this might sound strange to you, but God called me to study. And I would study the scriptures and, and books about the Bible eight to ten hours a day. So here I am in my mid-20s. Uh, uh, I'm not married. I, I don't have kids yet. So because of that, it offered me some, some freedom. So basically what I would do is I'd pick up odd jobs every, every now and then to make Ends meet, but but the reality is I didn't have a a standing typical you know nine to five job, and I was criticized pretty roundly for that. And I, and I can understand why people might might not get that, but it was something God had assigned me, and it's really the foundation for much of what you hear out of my mouth today. With those years in study, those years where I had to forego you know my friends were earning six figure uh, incomes and looking at me like what you doing, man? You know you preaching, you what the Bible? What, what's that doing for you? And they'd look down on me and criticize me. But there was something in my heart. I knew God had called me to this thing. And the only thing that really made me happy was God's word and his presence. And I'd invest hours into it. And in that season... God taught me. Now, before that time, again, I was in college and I actually rented out a house. I had a lot of money because I, I made money from the rental and, and then I had a job. And, and on top, I, I, man, I, I ran with some rich people and, and I, did, I had resources. In college, man, I was doing it. But after I met the Lord, <laughs> at that point in my life, I knew how to live high. But God had to teach me how to live low. And you will go through the vicissitudes of life, the ups and downs. And the issue is really not so much how much you have, but who you have with you in that season. So don't be soon shaken because you have a little financial setback. That's part of life. God will take care of it. God will be with you in the challenging times when you haven't worked for now two weeks. These government folks need to get their acts together. Some of y'all, two weeks... But still, listen, I had to learn how to, what? To be brought low and how to abound. In any and what? Every. Comfortable and what? Uncomfortable. Listen Listen to Paul here. I have learned. This takes learning. You can't just hear one preaching and get this fixed. It takes learning. I had to learn something. So there was a season of hand to mouth until I learned that, you know what, Uh, my blessing doesn't come by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I need to obey God. I need to learn obedience. And God will cause you to walk sometimes through difficult places to teach you how to obey. And that obedience is best and right. He had to deal with my pride, had to deal with my arrogance. I thought I was all that. He had to show me you're not, you know, and I had to come to really understand that as a young man. But Paul said, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, meaning a lot. So Paul knew how to have what? A lot. But also hunger, which means very little here. It may surprise you, but it takes almost as much grace to be rich than it does to live in poverty. It takes grace to to still care. It takes grace to still be hungry for God when, when you could call the doctor. It takes grace to still stay hungry for God when you could pay your bills and you don't have to pray about it anymore. It takes grace to still have a prayer life. It takes grace to be wealthy. It takes grace to be poor. But listen to the secret. And, and by the way, just, just so you, you just don't think I've I'm, I'm, just lived this charmed life, I've been criticized in the ministry. being too poor. I didn't drive flashy enough cars and people would come to me, I don't want to follow a guy like you. But now people criticize us for being too big. No matter what I do, I'm running into problems. So I'm just learning, I'm learning by the way, learning to just ignore them and do what I do. The 13 is the secret, again, to handling whatever financial state you might find yourself. Here's the secret. The context, again, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, but watch this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Whether I'm by a brook or I'm in an overlook of the Potomac, I can do all things Through Christ who gives me strength. As long as God has given me strength for the task and the situation I'm in, I'm going to be okay. I can do it. I can handle it. (laughs) Facing a lot of things, though, the only question is, does God got you? If he got you, you're going to be okay. Back to 1 Kings 17 and 4. Again, he speaks the word of the Lord, and and you think that he'd get a great pat on the back, and, and everybody would come and celebrate him. Instead, he has to run and hide. And in verse 4, God says to him, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. I really need you to pay attention to what we just read. He said, I will feed you there. But if you're over here and God has called you over there, you will miss your provision. God never fails to provide. Never. We fail to obey. He said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Until you get to your there, you will not know what it's like to be provided for by God. Now, you might be able to provide for yourself. But you will never discover what God has for you until you get where God has told you to go. Unless I went to my place called there every Sunday. And by the way, I went to there when people were avoiding this church by the thousands. Y'all didn't catch that. At this point in my life, I'm making a meager salary, giving away more than half of my income Every year, even though we didn't, man, man, we, 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 little, struggling, challenged, but it was still my there. And because I went to my there, then, I am at my here now. But you have to find your there. Where is your there? In a moment, we're going to go to Jesus and we're going to see something, but I have found a lot of times... Your there is not geographic like it was here with Elijah. Often there is on the inside. Often there is a mentality. There is an attitude. There is a maturity level. You see, once it happens on the inside, man, you can't stop it on the outside. The, 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 The longest journey you'll ever take starts where? Within. That's the most important journey of your life. Luke 17, verse 20, 21, New King James here, Jesus speaking. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees, let me just pause there. Part of my place called there was gaining enough confidence to speak the way I do. A lot of you are newly introduced to, to me in, in this ministry here, but the challenge used to be, first of all, I want to run every time I was called to preach. Man, my heart would start beating. I, I feel like I had I'd go to the bathroom by myself. I mean, it was terrible. Terrible, terrible. I still have a habit of going to the bathroom before I minister because I was so frightened because I I knew the things I was saying were just a little bit countercultural and and from another world. I didn't have a denomination support me. I didn't have a a pastor really mentoring me at this time. And That's why I'm so passionate about mentoring others because uh, I don't want anyone to go through what what I had to go through as, as a young man. And, you know, I'd preach God's word, but then I'd watch the fallout. I watched church members get mad at me. I watched them punish me. I, I watched them sometimes hurt me. Now, 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 everybody wasn't totally nasty, but I had, a, I had this, this group, and, 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 and it, it, it was a challenge. And when you're in a small church, oh, God, my heart goes out to pastors of small churches. Why? Because when you're in a little rowboat. Let's say, you, maybe a canoe, maybe you get five people in this canoe, but you just get one or two people to stand up, the whole thing is flipping. But when you get yourself in, in one of them uh, cruises, those, those, what do you call them things, the, 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 the uh, cruise liners, somebody could tear up their room, they could be cutting up the walls, jumping up and down, the floor beneath has no idea. And when you pastor a small church, people know that intuitively. And the first thing they say is, I'm out of here, I'm going to go. And every Sunday, the threat is on you if you don't please them. Not only are they going, they're taking all their friends, and they're going to criticize you over lunch and dinner and make your life a living hell. As a pastor, you know that, and the people know that in a small setting. So when I was standing preach, I knew what type of ears it was falling on. I knew everyone was not happening. I knew I was going to be punished every week for what I said. But I had to go through that process, deal with the punishment. I'd have Sunday say, Well, this is a this is Sunday. I think I'm about to lose about a third of my people. You ready, Lord? <laughs> and I walk into the pulpit. Sure enough. Sure enough. And because of it, man, you get beat up a little bit. And, you know, public speaking, now you just think that I'm just like this. Public speaking can be frightening. Some people say it's the biggest fear they have in life, except for death. I do it every week with a message that sometimes pokes and pricks people. So, my biggest issue was developing confidence. And what would happen is, after I preached, I'd go home and, like, dang, God, why'd you make me do that? How come I can't be like, more like that guy on television? He's nice, and, and he just tells people and rubs their heads, and, and you got to give me this ministry. And then I'd be mad, and then I'd be, I'd be secretly a little bit scared, like, what are they going to do to me? How are they going to punish me? How are they going to hurt me? You know and, 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 you know, and I had to deal with that. But what God had to do was develop my confidence on the inside. During that season, until it got to the place, I don't care if y'all leave. You. you think I'm cocky now when I say things like that. No, no, no. I learned that when we were small. It's like you want the door, let me open it for you. You know, I'll bless you and I'll introduce you to your next pastor. You hear what i I had to get that way in order for me to be able to handle what we're handling now. So that place called there is not always geographic. I had to mature inwardly. Emotionally, mentally, not to fall apart every time somebody criticized, didn't like me, and sent an ugly email. Do you understand what I'm saying? He says here in Luke 17 and 20, now when he was asked, speaking of Jesus, by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said this, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You can't find the kingdom of God on a map like you could find Israel. The Old Testament was different than the New. Or you, you can't tell a person, you know what, go make two lefts, uh, make a left at, at the second light, and then, then make a right. You, you can't do that when it comes to, to the kingdom. Verse 21, and he's explaining that because these are Old Testament mentalities where, where the, the kingdom to them was, was a piece of soil. It was a king on a throne, and it was a literal physical kingdom. But Jesus did not come to bring that type of kingdom. He will eventually when he returns, but not right now. He said, nor will they say, see here or see there. Meaning the kingdom of heaven is not something you could point out with your finger. You could use a uh, compass uh, uh, to find or, or hold with your hand. The kingdom he's about to teach us is within us. He said the kingdom of God is within you. Now literally the language here is within one's reach. On the inside of your cup. You see, when I get there on the inside... It's only a matter of time before I get there on the outside. Our most important journeys are within. So the question is not, are you in your physical there? The question is mentally, emotionally, are you there? Are you need to, to, to be are you where you need to be with your husband? Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Are you where you need to be with your 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 your, your children? Emotionally, mentally, spiritually. The kingdom is within. And we're trying to get in a physical place, thinking that something physical is going to fix our situation when that's not true. Because if you don't fix it on the inside, you're going to lose it on the outside. Even when that thing comes. That's why people that win the lottery tend to lose it. Because they didn't grow it on the inside. So when it comes on the outside, they are not ready. And then after they lose it, all they want to do over and by that time they learn their lessons... But it was because of a journey they took on the inside after they received those resources. Am I preaching good? Yeah. All right. First Kings 17 and 5. So Elijah went and did according to the word of the Lord. He was not just a hearer, but a doer of the word. Now pay attention to what it said. He went and what? Lived. As I just said, stop trying and, and believing God and everything to be fixed by one single event. God's provision is maintained by a lifestyle. He didn't just go there. He what, lived it. He lived there. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. Now, since we don't live here, this, this doesn't really strike us, but the, the east of the Jordan was an extremely inhospitable area. Um, it had no normal food supply. In fact, that's why no one knew about this brook, because no one went in there. So he told him to go someplace nobody else went. And when we follow God, God will show us provisions that no one else has ever found. Verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread and meat there in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. Now, at this point in history, only kings ate meat every day. Even today, most people on the planet only eat meat maybe once or twice a week. What is the point here? If we obey God, we can live even as kings, even during a famine. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. But you got to find your place called there. It may not look like the next person, but you got to get there. And when you find you're there, God will feed you and and provide for you like a king. But you got to get to your there in order to experience that provision. And he drank from the brook. Pay attention here as well. And we have to guard against becoming too spooky or too carnal or intellectual on the other side. He drank from the what? Brook. So the birds were the supernatural provision, but the brook was a natural provision. And God will provide for us both supernaturally and naturally, and many times simultaneously. And we cannot overdo the the, the, the miracle part and not do the practical part. We can't just do the practical part and miss the spiritual part. The birds came in the air in the heavens and it dropped down the meat. And God will do some dropping down and things will happen from the heavens in our lives if we get to our place called there. But also in our place called there, there will be natural provisions. And we have to learn to tap into them, use them until the purpose, their purposes, is served. Verse seven, and after a while, The brook dried up. Here's what I wanted to say most this morning. This was an opportunity of a lifetime. But an opportunity of a lifetime only lasts the lifetime of the opportunity. Let me say that one more time. An opportunity of a lifetime only lasts as long as the lifetime of the opportunity. The provision was there, but if he would have showed up four weeks later, probably not. We have to learn to walk through the doors God opens when they're open. Right. And many times we're banging on doors saying, oh God, why'd you lock me out? Not because God didn't never open the door, but because when he told us to go through it, in my case, I was maybe, I've been too busy making a living. It was a time in my life I needed to be working like my friends and, and, and doing this, that, and the other and making a dollar. But there was a door in my life. I had no kids yet, no wife yet. There was an opportunity right there that if I would have missed, I don't know how I would have made that up. At this point in my life, I can't study that long. I just can't. And you say, you're a pastor. That's right. Being a pastor takes up a lot of time. That's why we sent our kids to school, and, you know, I worked through college, and probably my kids, I'm going to teach them a little discipline, too. They'll do a little bit of working, too. But, but often, if, 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 if the, uh, the resources are there, a kid doesn't work, and he just focuses on his study. So I was kind of in the school spirit. But the point is, it was an opportunity that I had to seize in my 20s. And now it would be harder and catch up if I tried to get it done. Does that make sense to you? And a lot of us, we procrastinate, we put off. You know, God's telling you to do X, Y, and Z. and You act like you're going to live forever. You you act like, you know, God's going to keep that door open. He's not. The children of Israel would disobey God, get to the edge of the wilderness where they're supposed to enter the promised land, and, and, and then do something. And then they had to go back around the mountain again and just keep going around in circles in the wilderness. They missed their opportunities. And what I'm saying to you is don't get so... Now, I'm a friend of God. God loves me, and he's for me. He's my daddy, but he's also God, and he's also wise. And we have to learn to have a little more respect for God and his timing. When he tells you to do it, go ahead and do it. When he says, say it, say it. When he says, go, go. When he says, give, give. When he says, stay, what? Stay. When he says, come, come. But many of us act like, you know, we got another chance tomorrow, another chance. Don't take his grace for granted. Sure, God is a God of a second, third chance, but you know what? It gets a little harder as it goes along sometimes. And what we have to do is reference the Lord enough that when he says come, I'm not going to say, well, well, I'll get around to it. I love my father enough. I honor my father enough that because he said come, I'm a coming. And even this simple message this morning, many of you feel the Lord knocking on their heart, saying, come. The deal is, you're saying, well, I'll get to it. I want to fix this, fix that. Or maybe I'm too young or, or, or maybe too much is going on. In my I don't, really don't know what's going on in your head. But you're sitting there rationalizing and saying, well, you know, maybe some other time I'll get to it. But you see, when God says come, you need to come. And let me tell you this. Every time I disobey God, it's harder to obey him the next time. So this morning you can respond freely, but maybe next time it might be a little bit harder, maybe a little bit harder. And then it could get to the place you don't even respond because your heart has become so hard. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.